Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 75. Are you certifiable? Recorded November 28th, 2011. This week, we're going to be talking about certifications, what you need, what you don't need, why you need them, or if you need them. And uh, one of our uh, Element OP hosts is going to be joining us for this one, one of the more certifiable men I know, uh, Mr. Seth Anderson, also known as the Gooey Kid. Welcome, Seth. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here again. And of course, with me, as always, for every show we've ever done, Mr. (laughs) Sean Keibel. Hey, Sean. Welcome. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Okay, now, does that mean that he's about to miss one? Usually, when you do a big build-up like that, that means that they're about to miss. We're just like an old married couple, you know? It's like, every day I wake up, and you're still here. (laughs) You're still here. No, I mean, one time he called in on his television in his living room on the way to pick up uh, clothes when his wife was in the hospital having a kid. That's dedication. That's right. That I do remember that. I was uh it, oh, if you I it would have been funny to take a picture of it because yeah, I had to use the computer that was hooked up to my television and I was sitting at my daughter has one of those little like, you know, 2 foot tall little uh, tea tables, you know? So I'm sitting on one of those and you know, with my knees up to my chest on on her little chair. I remember recording that show. I think everybody I uh, was expecting you not to be there for that one. I certainly wasn't expecting you. And then like two minutes before showtime, uh, here he is. He's calling me up on Skype. Yeah. And I, I think, which is unusual because it's usually 12 to. minutes after showtime. Yeah. What's that? It's unusual because it's usually 12 minutes after showtime when you show. <laughs> hey, I've been better about that. <laughs> I have been better about that. I've been running on time the last few weeks, but uh, yeah, that, that time was just, uh, you know, it was, Right at that time that I came home because, you know, when you you never, no matter how much you prepare to go to the hospital and have a child, your wife always comes up with a whole laundry list of things that you end up needing to go back to the house for. True. So that was during that trip, I believe, that I uh, I was just having to go back home anyway. So. And that boy just turned a year old. Yeah, just a month ago. Actually, uh, no, he'll be 14 months here now uh, in just a few days. Or, gosh, <laughs> let me see. <laughs> uh, actually, I take that back. That was, uh, let's see, he he was 14 months yesterday. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. And he's already hard to keep up with. I can imagine. <laughs> okay, so now I got to. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start the warm up with my bottom item. All right. Because it's a, it's kind of a downer. And so I hate to, it seems like I have a knack for doing that, leading with something that is really kind of depressing. And then it's like, okay, let's get into the show. So uh, my my dad is having uh, brain surgery tomorrow. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm a pretty private guy. I don't usually throw stuff out there all that much. Um, I am a praying guy, though. And I would just ask that uh, any of you out there that are also praying types, uh, maybe say a prayer for my dad because uh, it's, uh, you know, and brain surgery is never routine. So, well, by the time this goes out, he will hopefully be recovering nicely. Right, so. right, yeah. Pray for his recovery, or if you're listening live, you know, certainly, uh, if you want to add him to any prayer list you might have out there, uh, certainly would appreciate it. Wow, that uh, yeah, that put a downer on it. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I figured <laughs> I'd start with that rather than <laughs> I always had, like I said, I have a knack for putting those, you know, or some depressing story or something right before we lead into the, okay, now let's bring on our guest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, st- staying in the vein of downers, um, 
so there's a scientist who has invented a doomsday virus. He has modified the H5N1 avian flu virus to make it more virulent so that oh. it is almost guaranteed to infect everyone who comes in contact with it. And this is a virus that has a history of killing 50% of its victims. And wow. he has created it in a lab, and he's made it so that in ferrets, of course, he hasn't tested it on humans, but apparently ferrets are a very close analog for epidemiology. Um, it is almost 100% sure that uh, if you're in, exposed, you're going to be infected. And he wants to open source his results. Now, I'm all in favor of open source, but do we really want to open source the doomsday virus? He's written a paper on what he did and what you can do to replicate his work. And he wants to publish this in uh, uh, scientific journals. I think he doesn't need to do that, but he should take all of his research, zip it up into a nice zip format, and just blast every terrorist organization known to man. I mean, I, why would he, is he, that's just Well, dumb. his re, his reasoning is that people are going to do this work anyway, and that by open sourcing his work, we can be better d uh, protected or create a better defense for it. So he was sitting at home watching The Walking Dead on AMC and thought, <laughs> how can I replicate that in the world? I know. Right. You know, that that's we're one one step closer to the zombie apocalypse, right? We are. I'm going to stock yeah. up on the canned peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from uh, Think Geek now. A, uh, Paul Kim, uh, 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 microbi microbial geneticist, is quoted as saying, I can't think of another pathogenic organism that is as scary as this one. I don't think anthrax is scary at all compared to this. Wow. And anthrax will shut a building down when somebody spills talcum powder. <laughs> and, and it's nothing compared to this. So, yes, let's make sure anybody in the world with a computer, internet connection, and uh, too much free time on their hands can have at this re research. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, you know, I don't know... Um I'd like to hear somebody defend this argument because I, I can't come up with a good defense of it. Uh, we, we sit here, I sit behind this mic week after week and um, espouse the glories of open source uh, knowledge, but I'm not behind GPLing a doomsday virus. I'm sorry. You know, I could see while we're open sourcing this, why don't we open source our nuclear launch codes just to make sure the community can vet them <laughs> as well? That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay I, I don't know what to say to that is it did, did, did you get this from onion no no I, I i had to double check my resources this is from sciencemag.org wow okay um uh, the professor is from the netherlands so uh i don't know maybe socialism breeds this kind of thinking i i, I don't get it well uh uh, speaking of the Netherlands there, Mark, uh, you're, you're all over the news in Europe, so what's your next item? Well, this other one is uh, uh, from a lunatic in the Netherlands to a lunatic in Germany. Uh, Max Mosley, who uh, apparently is a uh, uh, former uh, high muckety-muck in the F1 racing series, uh, got mad at Google about some uh, stuff people put online. Google didn't put it online. 
but people put some defamatory stuff online. Um, and I won't go into the details because they're somewhat lurid. Uh, but he is upset that people can search what people have written about him using Google. And he's filed suit um, in a number of European countries, <clears throat> 22. He's taken legal action in 22 countries. Wow. To order the removal of uh, material from 193 websites in Germany. Now, Google has always had a policy of if there's something uh, defamatory or uh, inflammatory, they will take the site out of their index. This guy, his problem is that it could ever have gotten into the index in the first place. And the, the heart of his lawsuit says that Google should fact check every link it crawls. Oh, wow. <laughs> so th this is clearly a guy who doesn't have any clue what the Internet is. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, but there are. I mean, there's there's people that kind of are attacking the internet from several different angles. And yeah, they're either Russian that, or attacking or, its openness. Yeah, they're either German or French. Uh, those people hate the internet for some reason. Uh, yeah. Germany is all about privacy, and I get that. You know, and and if somebody writes something um, negative and and just a lie, slanderous about me, I'm not going to be happy about it. But I don't want Google to be saddled with the responsibility of making sure it doesn't get indexed. That's just dumb. Right. Well, Germany is also the place where they are physically pixelating their homes so that Google Earth can't see them. Right. Yeah. You can <laughs> you can file a request, and it's a law in Germany that Google has to do this to, to stay in Germany and do business. They have to, to blur your house. It's, right. It's known as Bormany in some circles. <laughs> Wow, now that reminds me of the Onion story where Google set up like a giant thing so <laughs> yeah. that you wouldn't appear on Google Maps. Anybody who wanted privacy could live under that basically giant billboard they created. <laughs> it was it was a it was several years ago, but it was a hilarious story. Um, so I don't wow. know a whole lot of like full-blooded Germans, but are, are they just inherently like paranoid? I, I they're definitely much more um, privacy obsessed than we are. Okay. Um, so it's it's a I mean it's a whole different culture. You know, uh, German yeah. listeners, let us know. I, I know we have some. We see. Yeah, I'm not like trying to make fun. I'm I'm actually yeah. curious because I mean you see that time time and again, and it seems like in in that culture that uh, yeah, there it it seems like paranoia coming from our side, but maybe it's like you said, Mark. It's just uh, privacy. I mean, they're just I mean, fanatic about fanatical about privacy to come up with an an offline analog of this um that's like asking the the phone company to go through the phone book and not publish the number of all the mean people <laughs> well yeah but that uh, yeah that's not quite the same but yeah well, it's real I close mean, i mean it's saying that, yeah. that the that this large, massive database should be called through one thing at a time and a judgment, a, a personal decision be made and that those people simply be blotted out. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, I am, I am pretty privacy obsessed myself, but I just think that I wonder if he's just trying to get a settlement. If that's all, you know, file enough lawsuits and maybe Google will just settle for an undisclosed sum of money and undisclosed future benefits or whatever, if he will just shut up and leave him alone. 
go away and leave us alone and we will we will pay you here's two dollar fifty cent now now you right. go me leave you alone long time yeah he doesn't exactly look like a real happy go lucky internet surfing dude this guy yeah i it, it's it's clear that they're and he's of a of a, that generation that just doesn't get what this whole intertubes thing is all about right um i mean what's the um but i mean i don't know he's having nazi themed uh, orgies <laughs> well you know that that's allegedly like got to me you have yeah. to say allegedly <laughs> because that's not proven <laughs> Yeah, now that's true. That's true. It's like a uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch of Fox. He um, he says Google is stealing all his content because they publish the same facts that he publishes in his newspapers. And he says they're lifting content right off our newspaper twelve hours before we print it. <laughs> <laughs> These people just don't understand what the internet is. And I guess I don't know. I, I don't think you can educate them. Maybe we just have to wait for that generation to die. Well, I mean, how are you going to educate somebody when, you know, they're making, you know, $20 billion a year? Right. Well, and think about it. In terms of uh, legislative bodies across the world, these are the people who are making the laws in the U.S. and in Germany. And it, it is these right. these 60- and 70-year-old guys who don't have a clue, and they're the ones making the laws. You know, yeah. but it's kind of good that he's out there because you have whatever that was we talked about um, on the um, periodic table that wants to do away with internet privacy. So you've got fringe heads on the left. So you need some fringe heads on the right to just yeah. kind of keep the scales even. Yeah. That's so the I'm stop, glad he's there. The stop online piracy act. Uh, one of the more ridiculous corollaries of that is that we should uh, authenticate all traffic on the web so that we can identify pirates. Yeah. Uh, again, totally clueless about what the web is. Anybody who, who even knows what it is, would know that's not possible with our current structure, and then we'd have to completely rebuild a new internet for that to even be possible. Yes. And I so, think that's the situation here with Google. It would be impossible for them to, to do that. And not only impossible, but uh, who is the arbiter? I mean, yeah. do, do they have to go to everybody that an article is about and ask them permission to publish the link to that article? Well, I mean, yeah. Mark, it's like you said, though. I mean, these are people who don't understand the nature of the internet don't really realize one the, the argument is retarded i mean the internet at this point generates so much commerce that you can't get rid of it i mean nobody's going to ever let that happen so i mean it's just it's it's a beast that is there and you know i mean you can try to leg legislate it i mean it does get legislated in in countries i mean china certainly uh does a lot of that but um I don't know. It's it's kind of scary. I don't like you know how how deep our government gets into privacy issues like that here in the United States, and uh, I keep thinking, I keep waiting for that kind of shoe to drop. Speaking of crazy things in Germany, there's an actual city in Germany called Hell, and I understand you've spent some time there recently, Sean. <laughs> yes, although not not in Germany. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Seth, you'll get a kick out of this. That was a good transition. You got to give me that was. Yeah, we've been we've been a lot better on the segways tonight. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, so I'm I'm at work, and uh, you know we pretty regularly. This is a large district, so we pretty regularly have. Uh, 
uh, new technology coming in. And uh, part of my job, uh, once uh, we have somebody that processes it in and receives it and everything, and uh, they make sure that it gets into our inventory system. And then I have to take that and do, you know, any initial setup or whatever before it gets deployed. And uh, so I come in and my sort of staging area for that stuff is just stacked full of boxes. And so, okay. So I got to go and uh, so, you know, they're just nondescript brown boxes. So I'm opening these boxes up and uh, first, the very first set of boxes uh, is one MacBook after another. And then uh, I've got a bunch of smaller boxes. And I'm thinking, OK, what are these? And it's iPod touches. So so I unpack all of these things. I kind of stage them up and take a picture of it. I thought it would be funny to send to Mark, and I told him I was in hell uh, because I spent the, a pretty good part of my day uh, processing all these new uh, Apple products coming into the district. Now, I, they don't I expect some you. Some of those were, sent, were supposed to be sent to me, so why don't you? Uh... <laughs> Are they expecting you to use any of those, Sean, or is it just for students? No, no, that's uh, primarily, well, I don't know. You know how that goes, Mark. Uh, these things come in, and especially the Apple products, they're, you know, quote unquote for student use. Right. And it seems funny to me how often, how much more time they spend in teachers' hands than in students' hands. I was just uh, thinking how ironic it would be if it would if they said these are the new MacBook Pros for the tech team, and uh, we're going all Mac from now on. <laughs> uh, we actually have one of our campuses is a. Uh, like a magnet school, it's it's all uh, the really. I guess they're trying to you know really promote it as uh, the really super high technology campus, and that campus is all Mac, and uh, and so the tech that actually is in charge of that campus does have a MacBook. And, have uh, Have you seen that new uh, Samsung commercial where all these people are waiting in line for the new iPhone? Have you, no. Have you seen, oh. It's it's a good one. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But what, what, a great line there is a uh, a guy sitting there in line and says, "I could never get a Samsung. I'm art uh, artistic." And the guy beside him says, "Dude, you're a barista." <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, the art magnet has to have Macs because artistic people have to have Macs. You can't make art on a Windows machine. Yeah. No, it's been well, trademarked I mean, by Apple. Sorry. <laughs> I understand if you're, you know, some, I mean, certainly there's some tools on the Apple products that um, lend themselves very well to that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I mean, either way, I just had to spend my day dealing with, <laughs> with that. You poor, poor guy. Yeah, it was, it was disturbing. All right. So Seth, uh, tell us a little bit about um, certifications and why they're important. You actually went a few years ago to some sort of certification boot camp. I mean, you thought it was important enough to pick up and leave the state for what was it? Four months? Um, yeah, I was gone about four months. Yeah. So, so obviously you think certifications are important. I am a guy with no certifications. I am a certified redneck and that's about it. <laughs> uh, so tell us about uh, a little bit about some of the common tech certifications today and um, and why somebody might think they need them well certifications are designed in you know in a perfect world they are designed to show ability you know it's like um, 
do you know how to repair TVs? Well, if you have two guys who know how to repair TVs, if one has a certification from somewhere, uh, then wouldn't you want him to repair your TV than just this other guy who says, I know how? Same thing with computers. I mean, are you going to take your computer to Joe down the street um, to work on your Microsoft product? Are you going to take it to Fred down the street who is certified from Microsoft? So uh, so it's the difference between the GM mechanic certified and the shade tree mechanic down the street. Right. You know, it's kind of like... Um, I'm sure you remember coming to America. If you go to McDonald's, you expect the same thing everywhere. But somewhere along the way, there's these McDowell's who are just kind <laughs> of, uh, they're just kind of different. And the great thing about certification is it promotes uniformity. And, hey, this guy's an MCSE and he knows all of this. So all the MCSE should know this versus, hey, this guy fixed my computer once and it only took him three weeks uh to get it back to me so uh i would recommend him yeah, but, and, um, and that actually is a really good point uh, i had a friend uh i'm, I'm gonna be interrupting you a lot sorry just excited you know that you know me that's what i do uh but uh um, i had a friend who started at a very small school district here in texas but it was one of those high growth areas and he went from being a little country school to a really big school in a few years and when they were a little country school like i am like where i work uh, they just kind of did things however they worked. Um, but they realized as they were growing, they needed a standard so that they could hire cookie cutter people. They could hire a guy and he would know day one how to work. Um, and that's what standards mean. So you can, you, you know, there's CompTIA standards, there's, there's the Microsoft standards, there's, there's Cisco standards. His particular school decided to go with Microsoft. So they do everything the Microsoft way. So that they can pull any Microsoft certified guy, just any random guy off the street, and day one, he knows what to do. Somebody comes to work for me, it's the Microsoft standard. You know, it's the way the way I do stuff. And it's going to take me a couple of weeks just to show them where everything is. Right. And, well, and that's, you know, there's two main types of certification. One is... They're called vendor-neutral certifications. Uh, and CompTIA, which... Um, I forgot to look up the name of what it meant, but computer something, something, something. They pride themselves <laughs> in not <laughs> – sorry, that's the best you're going to get. I like get. that. <laughs> computer something, something, something. They pride themselves in not being tied to Microsoft. They're not tied to Apple. They're not tied to Cisco. They teach you the underlying concepts of how a computer runs, how a server runs, of network operation or of security. And recently, they branched out into other non-technology fields, and they have a very good reputation. Um, the one thing about CompTIA is I would say they were kind of an entry-level certification. You know, like I have some certifications from CompTIA. I have the A+, which means I'm certified that I know computer hardware. I have the Net+, which means I'm certified to know networking basics and I have the security plus, which means I certify that I know a basic level of security. And again, you know, I wouldn't be applying as the chief security officer with only a CompTIA security plus certification because it shows an entry level knowledge. Basically, if you've been in the field for like two years or so, you should be able to get that certification. Um, just to show and, you that I can, in fact, use Google. It's the Computer Technology Industry Association. All right. There you go. So, uh, awesome. You can do that and while I talk, I guess. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and a another, 
um, vendor neutral certification is called CIW. Um, it used to, I think it's certified interweb. It was originally their original certification. They started out as a webmaster cert, you know, when the internet was first growing in the late nineties and early nineties. Um, CIW was like the premier standard to have. Again, they're not tied into Microsoft or any particular company. It's more just the underlying concepts of how stuff works. Um, and uh, you can get, but they've branched out and they offer a wide range of certifications now. Um, another, if you, if you are in computer security, there's one that's, it's ISC squared. And I did look this one up. The International Information Systems Security Certification Consortium, Inc. Bless you. Uh, yes. If you want to, if you have, they're known for the CISSP, and I couldn't tell you what that stands for, but that is like the that's the gold standard of security certifications. If you and it's not something that you can just I'm going to pass their test today. You have to demonstrate years in the field. You have to be sponsored by somebody who already has one. Um, they have done a lot to make their their higher level certifications hard to get, so that they. So if you have it, it means something, but they've branched out now and they have a wide range, like from an entry level certification all the way up to like a super expert. And you would um, be a certified information system security professional. Yes. So, uh, SSP. Right. And we should and say too that, you know, you were talking about A plus and basic certifications. Some of these certifications only require like one test, but something advanced like this is probably a whole series of tests that you have to pass, right? Well, like I say, uh, in order for the CISSP, you have to show so many years in the field before you can even qualify for the test versus if you have the money, you can walk in and take any CompTIA test you want. Yeah, so, and the CompTIA, Net Plus, A Plus, and Security Plus basically show that you have the average computer skills of a high school graduate. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to, it's not advanced at all, but it is enough that if somebody's CompTIA, Net Plus certified, they can run cable for you if they're if they're C plus certified. You can hand them a computer, uh, a box of parts, and they can make a computer out of it. So that's what right. that means. Well, and certifications are really important because you know what is getting a job these days. You are marketing yourself to potential employers and trying to get them to hire you. A certification is a great marketing tool to get you past the HR department to get to the technical interview with whoever's actually interviewing for the job. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at these two resumes and you see this one guy has this certification from CompTIA and this other guy has nothing, well, which one are you going to probably offer the job to first? You're going to offer it to the certified guy. Well, or like you said, the interview. I mean, if they're vetting just to get to the interview stage, uh, you may not even get that far. Right. So, uh, you know, and that's that's a that's a value. It's not necessarily the only value, but it's a very big deal because a lot of times your first stage of uh, job uh, application has not, you know, it's by the HR department or somebody who has no knowledge of what the actual job is. Right. They're given a list of qualifications you know, uh, uh, master of internet information system or master of information systems degree and MCSE. They don't know what either of those means. Right. They're just lining up check boxes on a resume. 
Right. And, and I can tell you, as a guy who has no certifications, I, I don't have any, as I like to say, letters after my name. you got to get some letters after your name in this world. Um, I'm always teasing my chiropractor that he works basically from 11 to 11.05 every third Thursday because he's got those letters after his name, and, <laughs> and he can do that. Uh, but I, I don't have any letters after my name. I don't have any certifications. Now, I'm, I have skills. I have uh, you know 15-plus years of experience. I can do lots of stuff. But I don't have any pieces of paper that say I can do lots of stuff. And as a result, I'm having a hard time even getting interviews. I mean, I've been looking for a job now for about 18 months. It's okay. My boss knows it. Um, but uh, I've sent out dozens of resumes and only had two interviews. And obviously, neither of those offered me a job. And I, I don't know that it's just because I don't have any certifications, but I think that's certainly a part of it. Well, that's and that goes to the level that you're at, too, you know. Um, uh, kind of like uh, Seth said, and even Mark, you referenced. You know, if you're a high schooler with, you know, you you know computers, you can get that kind of entry level thing going on. But uh, you know, when you start moving up in the ranks, and uh, you you really have to have that kind of stuff because uh, everybody else is going to have it. Yeah, and uh, the last vendor neutral one I wanted to talk about is kind of like. It's my dream certification. It's called the Certified Ethical Hacker, and it's put out by the EC Council, which stands for Electronic Commerce Council, and they have a wide range of certifications from an entry level to their CEH is kind of their their top certification. And I don't know, you know, I'm not saying that it's the best entry level cert. It is just, um, it is just my uh, it's my dream cert that I want to get. So, um, but yeah, and then once you get past vendor neutral, you have uh, vendor specific. And of course, everybody's heard of Microsoft and Cisco because they are the most famous. Um, did y'all have any other comments about vendor neutral stuff? Or Well, I wonder, uh, in your experience and uh do, is there a preference over one or the other? I, I, it seems to be from my outsider's perspective, people like vendor specific over vendor neutral because they typically have a vendor they go with. They have, you know, they're a three com shop or a Microsoft shop or a Cisco shop. And so they want to hire people that way. And so your, um, what was that? Your ethical hacker organization can certainly work a Cisco router, but he doesn't have Cisco certs. Right. Well, and I think that, again, it's it kind of depends because most places are predominantly one because what will happen is you'll have this one guy in charge of purchasing or in charge of IT who say he loves Dell and everything has to be Dell. And if it's not Dell, it doesn't exist. Um, and then what happens is he leaves and his replacement thinks that Dell is garbage, and if you don't have HP, you don't have anything. And so he starts buying HP. And, you know, by the time you get all that done, here comes somebody else who wants something else. And so there are very few places that are only one, so you have to be able to talk to it. But do you want to lock yourself in? Because there was a time, you know, when... um you know, when IBM ruled the desktop market and, you know, ruled the server market. And if you were IBM certified, that was all you needed. But then they kind of fell out of favor and HP became the largest company. So your IBM certification 
is still very valuable, but it's to a shrinking value pool. So, um, well, and, and especially those guys who, who work the old like vax machines back in the old days, you know, the, right. that, that big iron is still out there and those guys are very valuable, but uh, in a diminishing pool. Uh, which right. speaks to the need. Uh, I, I know, I know Microsoft and Cisco do. Do these other company, uh, not uh, vendor neutral places, make you update to keep your certifications? Most of like I have the A plus certification, and I have an old one, so I don't have to update it to keep it. But starting, I don't remember when, but at some point in the past, uh, after I took mine, it was only it was just valid a few years for ago. So I, think. I, I, <laughs> I think. I think so. Think yeah, just a couple of years ago. Because there's a big I know difference. The, uh, I know the Cisco, all of the Cisco ones, you do have to recertify. There's right. a big difference between working on a PC in 2000 versus a PC in 2010. Oh, there, there is a huge difference. And, you know, but that's one of those things. If you have your A+, but you have continuous employment in the field, you should be aware of those, or at least I would hope so. But kind of... Just to finish the point on do you want to be locked into one thing or the other. No, I'm sorry. We don't finish points around here. We we, well, <laughs> we have to do things and move on. Okay. Well, this is going to get us to the halfway oh, point. Okay. Um, it's like, you know, there's an old saying, if you look, if you are a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. Right. So if you only learn one way of doing everything, by golly, you're going to make that one way work. And that's the only way to look at it. Whereas... You know, do you want that or do you want somebody who is at least aware that there are other ways to get to the same place? So that's uh, just that's not really answering the question. It's just a good discussion starter. So it's not finished. There you go. <laughs> can I tell a funny anecdote? Of course, I can. You have one. I'm the host. I can do what I want. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I can think of a literal example of when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. When I was in college, I was replacing the starter Bendix on, on my starter on my car. The Bendix is a, a small, essentially a flywheel that helps the starter kick out. And there's a very special tool that it takes to remove that Bendix, and I didn't have it. So I used a hammer and bought a new starter because <laughs> I broke the tool. Uh, I mean, I broke the whole starter because I didn't have the tool. And I, and when I went to buy the new starter for, I don't know, a hundred dollars or whatever it was, I found that the tool was $8. So I didn't exactly make a wise financial decision there, but it was, it's just an example of, of if you always use the tool you have, sometimes you're going to end up spending more and having more trouble. Yes, that is very true. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons on either side. And as you get more and more up in vendor certification, a lot of times you find those kind of people don't work for like, you know, they don't work for a company. They either own a consulting company or they work for a consulting company that services a lot of clients because they're so specialized in what they do and they are at such a premium that a one company can't afford to pay them all the time. So they hire them for a month and then this other company hires them for a month and, or they're, they work for a consulting company that has contracts with all these different vendors. So, uh, so that gets us into kind of talking about the vendor specific ones. I'm sure most people, uh, in the computer technology have heard of an MCSE, which stands for Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. Uh, it's one of the certifications I have. 
it is currently being phased out by Microsoft. Uh, they they the last OS they offered it for was their 2003 operating system. They have another track that uh, for 2008 and beyond that they're moving to. I think Microsoft certified information technician and then you can be like a server or you can be enterprise and cisco everybody's heard of the ccna um, and cisco's highest certification the ccie you can specialize and again those tests are really expensive and there's very few places that you can take it's made up of like a a test test and then there's like a lab where you go in and uncrate cisco products and you set up and configure the network and it's only offered like at Cisco campuses, so you can't just. Whereas a Microsoft test, you can pay any testing center and take any of their tests. So I was just looking at the Microsoft their new hierarchy. It starts at Microsoft Technology As- uh, Associate, which I think used to be called Microsoft Certified Professional, if I remember. Yes, MCP. Uh, and then the Microsoft Certified Technology Specialist, Microsoft Certified Professional Developer, Developer, Microsoft Certified IT Professional, the Microsoft Certified Master, and the Microsoft Certified Architect. Somebody now, are those one uh, too are many- those like all prerequisites? You know, one for the other, or can you just if if you're just you know you're the mark, let's say. Um, you know, you've been doing it forever and you feel like you have the knowledge to do it. Can you just go and take that top level test? And as I understand it in the past, anyway, the, the one includes all the ones below it. Right. Yes. In order to get, there's a certain number of tests you have to take and it's usually made up of, there are certain specific ones that you have to take. Then there's a pool of optional ones you can take, um, does that answer your question? So yeah, I mean, so yeah. they are prerequisites then. Um, yeah, they're sort of prerequisites, but it's a, really a better way to look at it is their building blocks. Yeah, think of it like a, a degree plan in college. If you want to be a, um, if you want to be have your bachelor's degree, and like I have a bachelor's degree in counseling, there are certain classes that are prerequisites to have, and then there's just other classes that. You know, like in order to take yeah, the knowledge is going to be included in there, but you don't necessarily have to take that. Right. You don't have right. to have all of those certifications. You can walk in and take the master test, but with it, you will get all the other certifications below it. I okay. Think. Yeah. So you can you can then like, like I said, I mean, if you were. No, th- that's that's wrong. There's you have to take so many tests. Um, you can. If you if the only test you wanted to take was that final test um, that would get you that, then you would just be certified in that particular aspect, and you would not have the whole certification. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now that kind of makes sense. Well, yeah. The kind of the way I was looking at it is that one test includes all the other tests. Is the way it is. It's right because you got that top level test includes tests at all the other levels. Well, uh, not necessarily. For example, um, if you want to be certified for like an enterprise administrator, one of the tests you will have to take will be on a desktop operating system, such as Windows 7. And then another test you will have to take will be on a server operating system, such as Windows 2008. Um, There might be a couple of things that overlap in there, but testing on one doesn't really help you on the other. Now, there's like you can there's a test to configure 
it, uh, the server, and then there's like a test to administer the server. There will be more overlap between those two tests, but you'll still have um, different tests that some of which overlap content, some of which don't. Um, and you have to take so many tests. And I I don't remember because I haven't really looked at upgrading my Microsoft certifications, even though I need to because mine are expiring. Yeah, and when you go in to upgrade, they will treat you as if you have never taken anything. You're starting over again, essentially. Well, um, it it depends on, like, because I already have a 2003, I don't have to take as many tests as some, has somebody starting over. Instead of, like, taking three tests, I basically take an upgrade path from 2003. So. <laughs> there is no upgrade path from 2003. They make you format and reinstall. <laughs> right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, um, and so, and again, you know, many companies, Microsoft and Cisco are the most famous. Novell um, has certified network. Juniper, which is like a competitor of Cisco, they have their own certifications. HP, since they acquired Cisco and are developing a more router infrastructure, they have certifications. Um, now, just to be more specific, uh, uh Cisco stuff is all routing, switching, network security. There's no desktop app. You don't have to take a test on Windows to do that. It, it's it's all it's so if you hire a Cisco certified tech, he may or may not be able to clean the viruses off of your computer. Right. But he could certainly read the uh, packets to tell you if there's a virus transmitting. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he'll turn it over to a Windows guy to find, but he can tell you it's there and he can tell you the IP it's coming from. I, so, had, a, I had a friend of mine. It might actually have been you, Seth. I don't remember. But uh, uh, at the at one time point, I had a Cisco router provided by my ISP at work, uh, and they it was their router. I didn't have the the password to it or anything. And one of my friends came over and said, I can hack that for you about eight seconds if you want the password. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I, I really don't think I do, but thanks anyway. Yeah, that was not me. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, obviously, uh, we were even a little confused, or it can be confusing in, in knowing exactly what path you need to take. Uh, with any of these individual or especially the higher level certifications. Uh, so is there, Seth, is there a good resource or, is there, or are there some good resources that you use to figure all that out? Or is it, I mean, because it's not like you go to college and you get this counselor who says, hey, you need to take this, this and this. Uh, you're right. you're kind of on your own. Is there is there a sort of quasi counselor out there that can really point you in the right direction? Um, that's I mean, I had researched like Microsoft's website and kind of saw but when i went to the boot camp i went to you know it was mapped out um you know these are the tests that we offer and we train for uh in order to get the uh you know say for example there's like a total i think you had to pass six tests and there was like 10 to choose from so they said we're teaching these six tests and uh so it was very simple i just for basically 16 hours a day I ate, slept, drank, and pooped Microsoft information. Uh, I had labs, I had lectures, I had hands-on, I had reading, I had practice tests. I mean, I studied more in the four months I was there than the nine years it took me to graduate college. So, which is probably why it took nine years to graduate college. Well, let's talk a little more about that that whole experience. Uh, th that situation was a. Uh 
did they put you up in a dorm sort of scenario or did you have to do that yourself as well as as pay for all the classes and everything um what i did was i i had done some research uh for this company and the reason i went with this company is they had an option to where you didn't really pay anything up front but you made a contract with them for a certain percentage of your first year salary after you got the certification so and i do you remember what that percentage was I want to say it was 20%, uh, but again, that's been over five years ago, so I don't know for sure. And they helped you with job placement and the whole bit. They they trained you, and they got you a job, and they took their VIG the first year. That is correct. So that means it's in their best interest. That doesn't sound like a bad... I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) It's in their best interest to get you a high-paying job, because they get more money. Yeah, and and, that's what I was going to say. That sounds like actually a pretty good deal, because... Uh, you know, if you get a, a, a job just, you know, I mean, making 20 grand a year, I mean, it doesn't do them any good. So they, they want to get you something really, you know, something really great right out of there. Right. Right. And, you know, and they, it wasn't for the first, like, basically I, I did technical stuff for like the first, you know, of the four months I was there for the first three months and three weeks, it was like, I got up. And from eight to five, I was in a classroom lecture. Uh, and then from five to nine, uh, we were doing labs. And then I would come home and do practice tests and self, self study until I went to sleep. And I did that six days a week. I mean, I, it was just ridiculous how much information was being crammed into me. And like the week before I left, sat down and had practice interviews, went over interview strategies, helped me with my resume, um, you know, and just kind of with the soft interview skills that you would need to ace an interview because, you know, the purpose of certifications is to get your resume to the people making the decisions. And the purpose of your, you know, resume is to get you an interview. And the purpose of the interview is to get you a job. So you, you're selling yourself on all these different levels. And um, so that's, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how great your knowledge and skills is, skills are if you come across as just a, an idiot in the interview, you know, and by the same token, it doesn't matter how great of a salesman you are in person if you don't ever get a chance to meet them. So I remember one of the quotes you told me that uh, one of the founders or owners or whatever said is that uh, a good resume will get you a job you're not qualified for and good poop people skills will help you keep it. Right. Yeah. That's uh, well, his that- name was Eric Choi. Uh, Seth, that that kind of got me to thinking. Uh, did this place have any sort of a vetting process? I mean, obviously, they're sort of going out on a limb for you. Uh, did you have to like apply, go through any application process? Yes, I applied, and there was a fifty dollars application fee that was non refundable, but was you know it was a credit it credited to my uh, you know room and board or, or whatever. I, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but there was a fee and there was an interview to get taken, um, uh, in the process. So, you know, it, and I, I checked them out online. I, I did some research on them as well, because there's lots of places out there that are scams. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing about any boot camp you go to, 
you will get out of it what you put into it. If you just, if you, and what, and of course, that's true in any learning field you take. If you just go to class and show up and keep your head down and, you know, do words with friends on your smartphone, you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you put in the work and you study, um, and boot camps are awesome for people who already have a beginner's knowledge in the subject. So, um, uh, you know, people so you're not have, right, go right in there and be playing catch up from the very beginning. Right. I mean, I went in there. I, I had a good foundation to start from. You know, um, I'm very familiar with Windows because obviously I use it all the time and I, I had done some, uh, you know, support on it. So I'm not afraid of the registry. You know, I know how to edit files and I know how to troubleshoot errors. So I've. I was ready to jump in and hit the ground running. And a lot of people I went to class with uh, were very frustrated because, you know, they weren't putting in the time. When we were sitting there listening in class, they weren't listening. When we were doing labs, I was doing the lab. They were playing on the, their own laptops that they had already. So, you know, when I was studying, they were playing World of Warcraft from uh and you know we didn't have a dorm but what they what this company had done was they had rented two apartments there was one apartment for the guys and one apartment for the girls um so you know while i'm there studying uh practice tests reading uh they're playing world of warcraft so um you know i i invested my time uh and energy while i was there and uh so it, it was a good thing for me, but some somebody could have went beside me, and a lot of people did go beside me, and they were very frustrated with the process. I actually left early because I started looking for jobs, and I found one. So uh, I didn't finish. I just I cashed out and came back to Texas and got a job. All right, so I'm 39 years old with three kids and a wife. I, that's not really practical for me to fly to California for, for four months. What What are some options for me? Uh, of course they have boot camps everywhere. Um, you know, you can get them and, um, they range in price. Um, well, I don't even know the prices cause I haven't looked them up in a while, but there are other options. One is a lot of colleges offer them or trade schools, um, that have a classroom setting where you do lecture and lab work, um, on evenings and weekends. There's also, um, like vendor led training, uh, for like, you know, Cisco will teach Cisco certifications. And, um, I can't remember some of the other, like checkpoint is a, you know, they have a firewall and you can take training from them. Another thing is online training. I, uh, there's a, I'm actually looking at this because my certifications are kind of old and I'm looking to upgrade them. Uh, one of them is e-learning center, which I found out is based in Tyler. And another one is VTC.com. Uh, I just, I looked over their sites and they have a really good, uh, from what I've seen, um, video presentation. It, it's sort of like, you know, you're watching a YouTube video and then there's like some little hands on where they take kind of a mock up of, of the portion of the operating system you would be working with so that you can practice it. Um, and of course, you know, you can, you can buy books, you can scour the internet for free stuff. Um, one thing you want to, um, watch out becoming is something called a paper tiger. And this is part of the reason I think that Microsoft is ditching their MCSE program is because there's, there were so many people out there who just 
figured out how to pass the test that they had the MCSE certification, but they did not have the knowledge that that certification was supposed to guarantee. So if you see somebody who, you know, two months ago was working, you know, in an auto parts store, and then now he is an MCSE, you would want to be suspect that does he really know that stuff or did he just go out and pass the test? Now, if I remember correctly, the testing itself is pretty arduous and expensive. So it's not something you want to do lightly. Right. When I took the test, they were about a hundred dollars a piece. I think they're a hundred and twenty or so now. And again, when you get up to like some of like the, the top level Cisco tests, uh, I think it's a couple of thousand dollars. But if you pass that top level Cisco test, you're going to start making six figures at least. Um, but so yes, it, it's not something you can just, um, you know, you you go to a testing center and there's somebody who is watching the computer to make sure you don't cheat. You're not allowed to take any notes or books with you. You have to give them your cell phone. You have to give them your watch. I mean, uh, they wa- they give you like a pencil and scratch paper. And if you're doing something where you're figuring subnets, they might give you a basic calculator. But it's so locked down that you can't even bring up the calculator app on the computers. You're only taking those tests. And they, they are very hard and they are very time consuming. And they work at making them hard because they want to take pride in that. Because, you know, one, a, a company is going to be able to make money by selling the test for that. But two, they, they want people to say, wow, that guy is really smart. He knows the stuff. So it kind of helps generate prestige for the company. Well, and putting on my cynical hat, they also make money if you fail. Yes, they do. So, uh, but you know, if you fail, then you'll quit doing it. So they, they don't want you to fail often, but yeah, they want you to fail some. Yeah. They want you to fail. So you retake the test and therefore repay for the test. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, the proctoring, places do that as well you know they would love for you to have to retake the test so they make their cut as well um but again it's worth it because you know you're gonna get you're gonna get more interviews um probably and then you know if you have the skills then you can get past the interview and actually have a job so all right so uh kind of back on the uh and this kind of falls into uh, what what you said, Seth, as far as Paper Tiger, but uh, we haven't mentioned brain dumps yet. Right. Yes, brain dumps are very – they're not as popular as they used to be because when the MCSE tests first were out, they were pretty much multiple choice tests. You know, you, are, you read – um, maybe a couple of sentences or look at a diagram and then you is the answer a b c or d so you could just memorize this is and the way they would do the brain dumps is people would pay people with photographic memories to go take the test and maybe they would pass it maybe they wouldn't but then they would write down the questions and then they would look up the correct answer of the four options that they had so um and one of the – I actually used has a study aid, actualtest.com. It's $150 for lifetime access. It was $100 when I bought it. Um, you see the actual test, but again, I, I did that after spending, you know, 
in the midst of studying for 16 hours a day. So you could, if all you wanted to do was just read the questions and memorize the questions and take the test, you could get the paper certification that would do you, you might get interviews, you might even get a job, but you wouldn't last at that job. Well, that sounds yeah, like the way like, I want to go. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, but again, for you, a brain dump would be a perfect thing because you have the skills. You just might not understand the way Microsoft asks a question, you know, and and here's the thing well, and with he, the brain. He has, or go ahead. has the skill to keep the job after the fact. Right. Well, and just because the brain dump says the answer is A. It doesn't necessarily mean the answer is A. Um, I've seen, I've done some of them, and I've known, I'm like, wait a minute, that's the wrong answer. They, and uh, sure enough, you know, you get to the test, and I chose the answer I thought rather than what the answer the brain dump said. And I looked on the test printout, and the section it was in, I got all right because I chose what I thought rather than the brain dump. Well, I you would hope could- in 2011 they have some uh, randomization going on there. I mean, every every Moodle can do that. So I, I think that, that maybe some of the modern uh, anti-cheating techniques would make those a little more difficult. You actually have to have the, the answer. You can't just know A. Well, and plus what they've done is they've made like um, they've taken a portion instead of like asking you, how do you add a user account in Active Directory? You have a little mock server interface and you have to go through and and actually add the user, you know, so. um, So, you know, what's the the brain dump will tell you the question, but it won't tell you the answer. So, uh, you know, because. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that it can really be a valuable uh, study tool for somebody who's actually been, you know, working in the industry for a while where you can identify maybe some holes in your knowledge, right? I mean, yes. we all have something that we don't know, right? I mean, right. Yes. And whether it be a brain dump or practice test has one aspect of your tra- of your studying it is good, but you just can't make it the only aspect. It's like I'm teaching, I'm helping my niece with her algebra homework, and we're using the back of the book. We're working out the problem, and after we get the answer, we check. I don't let her look at the back of the book till we come up with the answer, and then we're able to see, hey, we got that right, or uh oh, we missed it. What did we do wrong? So again, we could just look at the back of the book and get the answer and be done in five minutes. But instead, we take the time to work out the problem and then we use the resource to see if we did it right. And that's what practice tests or brain dumps are good for. Well put. And I, I, I can't publish this because, uh, that would just be wrong, but but Seth put one of the links in the notes to Pearson, and uh, we just can't do that. But uh, uh, Google, yeah, out of for ethical reasons. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I would just feel dirty doing that. But no, uh, they you can buy Pearson is a testing um, entity, so you can buy vouchers to take the test. Is what right. this is. And see, there used to be Pearson and View. 
and then Pearson bought View. So uh, Pearson buys Pearson. everybody. Yeah, yeah. They they don't make crap. They buy stuff. Well, they do make crap, but they do it by buying good stuff and turning it into crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I used to work in the education field. I'm so, allowed to say that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just looking uh, through some of these tests, and, and typically the prices are a uh, hundred to two hundred dollars for most of these tests. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's I'm another curious. one um, that you can put in the show notes. It's called Brain Bench. Um, and what they do is um, they don't like, uh, they're kind of, they're not really vendor neutral, but they test a lot of different subjects. Um, but, and it's not so much like, uh, say if you're going to take a college degree, um, if you equate a college degree to a certification, uh, think of think of a brain bench test has a specific class in that degree plan. You can, um, uh, if you want to go through, Oh, come on. I was, I had it up before and I have lost it. Ah, there it is. You can just look and see they have like, if you want to learn programming, you can, you can do ASP.net. And especially if you're more of an entry level, kind of person you could show a brain bench certification in one specific aspect to get a job uh does that does that make sense right yeah and they have some free ones in there so uh some of their betas and stuff are are free so otherwise their tests are about fifty dollars each so yeah i'm looking at uh their network administrators administration section and one of them is uh a backup exec 11 you know, so if, if you know that where you're going uses backup exec as their backup tool, that is a free test that you can use. Uh, right. Or v- how to set up a VPN with Windows, uh, which nobody has ever actually done successfully. But that's a, there's a test there that you can do. <laughs> that is right. And again, if, if, if it comes down between these two people, the hiring manager is going to look at the guy with some certifications and maybe you don't have the thousands of dollars to get uh, your Microsoft certification by passing all those different tests. You could go to a website such as BrainBench and you could maybe pick a couple of the Microsoft aspects you know the best and just do those tests and you would be BrainBench certified in whatever so and that might be enough to get you past the hr person where right. you can then explain to the tech why you have a brain bent cert instead of a cisco cert right you know and and you know and you could make that part of your you know that could be part of your compensation package they're not going to pay you what they would pay someone else but you know maybe part of your compensation package will be they will pay for your certification or reimburse you as you get certified um, so again, I wouldn't say, I would say if you've been in the field a while and you're staying, but you know, like me, I'm a network guy. If I wanted to try programming, I might take their C plus class or their C plus test study for it, you know, um, and see what I would need to do. And, uh, then I could show, well, look, I, I'm a network guy. Here's all my network skills, but I'm also learning programming. So then that that increases my value because I know a wider array of things. And just to stick with the uh, the free and open source Linux uh, uh, 
bandana guy part of our audience uh, there are uh, linux server certs and those are becoming more highly prized uh red hat you know, is a very is right. is has been traditionally the linux cert to have right um, uh, and uh novell has some because novell has put a big uh, investment in Linux uh, in their uh, SUSE product, so that you can become a, no- a Novell certified system, uh, Linux administrator. Uh, O'Reilly has some uh, cer- certifications, and so Optia uh, has a Linux Plus certification. Right. Uh, and uh, big companies use Linux in the server room. Um, yes, you know, small businesses may not, and education may not. But if you want to work for eBay, you're going to have to know use some Linux. So, right. Uh, don't overlook that. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, uh, well, uh, I can't think of a good analogy, so I won't say it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not everything has to be an analogy. It's okay. Right. It, it, it's good to, you know, you don't necessarily want to put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe put most of them in one basket, but you got to know a little bit uh, of something else as well. Unless that think. basket is Oracle. If you can yeah. learn to work Oracle, the world is your oyster. Yeah, well, or Cisco, you know, if if you get up enough in Cisco, you can work, you know, you can just, you know, give your money away because you can't spend it all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else before we hit to the tips of the week? I was going to say, I tried to get Cisco and because I'm not a, I'm more of a gooey kid rather than a command line godfather. I I failed miserably. Like when I was taking the first Cisco test, I think the passing rate was out of a thousand. It was something like seven hundred. Um, I think it's closer to eight hundred now. But the first time I took it, I made a four hundred, and that was after a couple of weeks of doing my sixteen hours a day, six days a week stuff. So I studied for another week, and instead of getting a four something, I got a six something. So I still was a hundred points away from passing it. At that point, I decided, you know, I'm not really going to learn Cisco. I'm just going to strengthen my Microsoft standing a little bit more. I'm going to go get um, a paycheck now. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, but, you know, I did learn enough to, um, I worked at a district and they had a Cisco router and I needed to know how to get in there. I was able to, between looking at the help files and online, I knew enough of the commands to where I felt confident to go in and look and see what was there. So even though I didn't get the certified, it did kind of, you know, get me exposed a little bit. Okay. Well, I'm going to lead us right into our tips of the week because our tech tip of the week this week is provided by our guest, Seth Anderson. Uh, So, Seth, tell us about uh, what your tech tip is this week. Okay. Well, if you use if you are a network administrator or if you're in the IT field you are using the command box in windows and if you are like me um and you copy and paste everything so you don't have to do a lot of typing when you bring up your command box what you have to do is you have to like right click that little icon and go down to edit and then select paste to put something in there and you know, if you like to work the keyboard, that gets a little frustrating. So I figured out how to, um, I found an article basically for Windows XP and I tweaked it a little bit so it will work in Vista. So if you want to know how to simplify the pasting process into the command line dialog box, just follow along as I say this. Right click the little C colon icon in the upper right corner and go down to properties, the options window. The options tab should be there. Um, if not, click on it. And then on the right-hand side, under edit options, 
make sure quick edit mode and insert mode are selected. Click OK. Now copy some dot, some text from you know Notepad or Word document or whatever, and then click inside your um, dot, your command line and just simply just right click one time and then it will paste it in there. So you no longer have to go to uh, right click, edit, paste. You can just simply right click. And it, it will simplify your life and it will make things a lot easier. And this is one of those things you will only do it when you get on a new computer. Because, and then two years later when you get another computer, you're like, why doesn't this work? And uh, <laughs> I wrote an article on a, a different uh, community and we'll put that link in the show notes. And uh, that tip for me was helpful because that's the way Linux terminals, like if you use something like uh, uh, WinSCP or something like that to, on Windows, it, that behavior is built in. Or if you're in a Linux terminal, uh, that that's what happens. You right-click and it pastes automatically. So uh, that, that just makes it a little more cross-platform experience for me. So I found that to be helpful. Well, glad I could help. Although the right-click plus slide down plus left click isn't exactly world breaking um, but it is it is handy to have a uniformity of experience right so mr kybel what is our yes. teacher tip this week yeah uh the teacher tip this week comes from a website called travelpod.com uh the the link is too long to give away here, but you can definitely get it in the show notes. Uh, what TravelPod.com has is a, uh, a game, a geography-based game that uh, it, basically you just go on there and uh, I think if you go to TravelPod.com, their main site, you can find it. It's called Tra- the Traveler IQ game. Um, but it just starts, uh, you start the game and it starts uh, basically asking you you get a, a world map and it'll say uh, identify where these these famous cities are and it'll it'll give you like 10 of them so uh, it'll tell you like maybe London England and then you've got to go and kind of put your cursor and click as close as you can to where you think London England is boy do I suck at this I haven't gotten one right yet isn't it great though I mean this game is addictive and uh, and then it'll say like uh, find these famous places so it might say um, like Manhattan or or the Battle of Gettysburg or, you know, is it different things like this, but it's, you know, it's across the globe and you can run uh, Traveler IQ games that are more uh, like you can test your U.S. knowledge or, or whatever, but uh, it just runs you through and there's various levels. So you have to get uh, it's how quickly you answer and then how closely you come to the actual uh, landmark. Uh, and so you get points and you, uh, you need so many points to pass each level. So, uh, it's, it's an addictive game. Absolutely. And, uh, the learning value is, is unquestionable. I mean, it's, so it's engaging and, uh, you know, you're going to learn about, uh, your geography. So the only one I got dead on was Dallas. <laughs> I got 9,000 yeah. points on level one. Yay me. So, yeah, it, it's it's hard to get. At least I was having, you know, you, you've you got to have some pretty good mouse control to get, you know, just like dead on. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you certainly want to check it out. Uh, if you've got kids, I want to say probably, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Maybe sixth grade on up? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It, you know, kids probably younger could even do it. But I think some of this stuff starts to get obscure. So, uh you know, but middle school and high schoolers uh, should certainly have, you know, they should be able to get enough of them right or be close enough that it, it'll be a fun game for them. 
I'm sorry, I can't pay attention here. I'm, I'm I know, I know. It really is a great side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was kind of fun to play the round. I so. don't know. Yeah, I was. I stuff. was almost late tonight because I was. I was playing with it too, and I finally looked up and said, "I got to quit this." So well, that's uh, not fair. Yeah. Hawaii's not even on the map. I got to scroll to get to it. <laughs> oh, are you having to scroll? I didn't have to scroll. I, I did to get to Hawaii. Huh. Well, uh, while we're doing tips, I wanted to, uh, if you're interested in certification, there is a magazine. It's called Certification Magazine. It used to be a print magazine, but now it's online only. It's certmag.com, and they talk about all things certification. Um, they do, you can see like salary surveys and everything in there. And, uh, if you have questions about what's the best way to get certified you can uh, go there and they will uh there'll be people that talk it they have a, they have an active online community and as well as people who write articles on a regular basis certmag.com all right and the fact that we're running late just saved you from a huge rant i was about to do about print magazines but i looked up and saw that we're over an hour already so i will save that for another time so i will just tell you where you can find out more about us maybe i'll post my rant in the forums and you can see it there uh, uh but you can find out more about us at elementop.com uh that's the uh the website where all of our podcasts are seth is a host of the uh, uh everyday linux podcast so you can find him there you can of course find sean and me there on our respective shows uh, you can also find us all on twitter twitter twitter.com slash element op or facebook facebook.com slash element op or if you want to give us a, a call a shout out uh, a word to your mother you can do that at uh, <laughs> 559 i is our phone number or, or just right there on the website click the leave us a voicemail button and you don't even have to call us google will call you we we have a special arrangement with them about that they only do that for us <laughs> All right, guys, anything else before we say goodnight? No, this is a great show. Well, there you go. Having said, great show. Sean has dismissed us all, and therefore, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. Me saying bye. (laughs) 